bring Christine greetings this morning. In the name of Jesus, our precious Redeemer. In your Bibles, as you have, as we have read in Revelation 13, um, this beast we believe is referred to elsewhere in the Bible as the as the Antichrist. I want to speak this morning of the Lord Jesus Christ in relation to a backdrop of the Antichrist. We'll talk about the activities and uh, ambitions of this Superman who will rise and out of the sea would be out of the humankind, out of mankind somewhere. And uh, notice some of these phrases here. Ten crowns, and upon his head is the name of blasphemy. And uh, verse 2, his, this beast was like a leopard, the feet of the bear, his mouth as he spoke, mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him his power, the devil himself. Uh, I need your prayers for this message this morning. Not an easy one. I could have been derailed or sidetracked from it quite easily or spoken something else. But the Lord continued to lay it on my heart because I believe we're living very close to this time when things, these type of things could come about in God's own time and way. Thank the Lord. It's a kind of exciting scripture, really. Really. Because a Christian will blood washed our names are written in heaven. We're walking in the light, walking in obedience, walking in, in victory. We have power over this thing here, this man, and more than that, over Satan himself and all his activity today. Thank God. And the, over the world, over our selfishness, over ourselves, our self, that self-life. We need to learn to overcome by the grace of God. So think about some of these things that were stated here in this passage of Scripture. We'll be uh, turning now, now to the book of Daniel. I appreciate it so much some um, months and weeks ago when Brother Paul had preached from the book of Daniel in these, some of these various scriptures. Daniel chapter 7, and he did a good work in, in uh, teaching and relating to these scriptures. Now we want to think this morning to help the children understand better that uh, think about a panorama. Think about a wax museum this morning. This building might be a wax museum. I have eight pictures in the book and the Bible concerning this Superman that will rise sometime, possibly soon. We don't know. I wonder sometimes if Time might not go on for a while. God knows. God is merciful. God is long-suffering. And so we need to stand fast and true wherever stage of life we're in. I used to always think that somehow, you know, the Lord will return before I get to my 70s or before 1980. And then it was 1990. Sure, the Lord would come before then and certainly would come before 2000, but here we are. And it just might be that God has mercy on us as his people. But there's some things are 
rising today, you do wonder. We need as Christians always to remember the last time, as the Bible speaks of it, happened already when Jesus rose from the dead and the church was born in the day of Pentecost. That was the last time. John, uh, First John talks about that. We want eight pictures, four like on this side, and we will move around the room here. Uh, panorama, uh, like a wax museum, of this particular person. And every time, this is interesting, there's a backdrop of Jesus Christ, or God appearing on the scene, as his scenes. So I guess it's necessary to preach about it sometimes, if it's at least eight times. First of all, Daniel chapter 7, and you can turn there, is the first scene. Daniel 7. The whole chapter talks about it. First, it's this explanation of these very animals that are written about in the book of Revelation 13 here uh, to describe this person. And, uh, and then there's an interpretation of it. And Daniel, when he saw this, and he wrote it, and God gave him uh, the ability to write. Daniel 7 is one. Daniel 9, 25 and 26 is another one. We won't turn there right now. Daniel 11, 36 is the third one in Daniel. Then we slip over to the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians 2, he's called that wicked one. In Daniel 7, he's simply a, a little horn here. In Daniel 9, he's pictured as Messiah the uh, not Messiah the prince, but the other prince that shall come. That shall come, it says. And that, that prince uh, in Daniel 9, a capital letter of princes in, in the smaller italics. Whereas Messiah the prince is capitalized in my English Bible. And then we have Daniel 11:36, Three fields of very clearly speaking about this person who's going to rise. Uh, under the power of the devil himself in three fields, the religious field and the economic field and the political field. That's in the latter part, especially of Daniel 11. And then first, uh, Second Thessalonians 2.8 is pictured as the son of perdition, the, the wicked one. Then First John 2.18 is pictured as the Antichrist. And then in Revelation chapter 6 on the white horse. In Revelation 13.10, as a beast. And again in Revelation 19, the latter part of the chapter, this Superman and his assistant, the prophet, are cast alive by Jesus Christ himself into the lake of fire. Hasn't happened yet. Okay, Daniel chapter 7, very interesting chapter. Won't take time to read it all, but uh, in... Um, Notice in verse 5, and behold another beast, a, uh, the second like a bear, the first one was like a lion, verse 4, and 5, he's like a bear, and it's raised itself up on one side, and so forth, and uh, the third one is like a leopard, and we believe these all are explained really in the book of Daniel, the first one, the lion, was the Babylonian kingdom, and the second uh, the bear was certainly the Medo-Persian kingdom, as he explains it. And the third one, the leopard, uh, was the, uh, uh, the Greek Grecian kingdom. And then, in verse 7, After this I saw in the, right, in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. And it 
um, had great iron teeth, and it devoured and break in pieces and stamp the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and had 10 horns. Uh, those 10 horns probably are much like Daniel had seen earlier in Daniel chapter two about the 10 toes. Likely in this last, who, what, what was the fourth? The fourth is not Roman Empire. Right, clearly. Now it's not written out in that way, but that's certainly the case. And uh, the E, did you know, the EU today, they say that they want to revise the Roman, the old Roman Empire. And there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes now we don't even hear about or read about. And then there's a little horn, verse eight, right there kind of in the beginning, under my Bible, it's the third line, another little horn. He's a little fellow. He appears out here. Comes, comes from, kind of from nowhere, you might say. And uh, he, he's, he's in mouth speaking great things, the last line. I beheld. Daniel was just watching. Just watching this picture. Think of it as this panorama. The first scene here. Just watching. What's going to take place? And uh, as he was watching, he watched till... The thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Who's that? Ancient of Days. God the Father. Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment uh, were white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like a fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued out and came forth from him. Thousand, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before uh, the judgment was set before him, and the judgment set, and the books were open. I beheld them because of the voice of the great words which the horns spake. Now we go on down here, verse 13. I saw in the night vision, behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, and came in the in came to the ancient of days. God the Son, God the Son, Son of the Son of Man, like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. Jesus Christ came to God, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him, whose his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. We can be on the victor side. See, it doesn't spend much, too much time talking about who this little horn is. He does write about it a little bit later here. Notice over in verse 19. Daniel was so interested about this fourth beast that I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron, his nails of brass, which devoured, break in pieces, and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his hand, and of the others which came up, and before uh, whom three fell, in of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake great things. Exactly what we read about in the book of Revelation chapter 13. And elsewhere in the Bible, this is speaking about this public speaker 
A man that shall rise is going to give voice to the world, kind of a little fellow coming out from somewhere. Nowhere, it seems like, a little horn. And then again, until. That word until is an interesting word in the scriptures over and over again. Until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. It seemed like this kingdom that's going to come is right here on this earth. That's the way it appears over and over in the book of Revelation. The fifth kingdom. It's a universal kingdom. The Ancient of Days gives it over into the hand of the Son of Man. Jesus is ruler. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. And the Bible speaks about that in Revelation chapter 20. So clearly six times he shall reign a thousand years. A thousand years. Six times. So that's something to look forward to. To be with the Lord forever in that way. When we get there. In verse 25. This great speaker he shall speak even great words against the Most High. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws. Now listen, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. That usage, time, times, and dividing of time is found again in Revelation, or Daniel chapter 12, the same way. And he even gives the number of days there, 1260, if you have calculators this morning with your phone. Why, you can divide that by, by 1260 divided by 360. Somebody can do it. 360 was 360 is the day that Jewish people use for one year. Not 365, they use 360. What do you come up with? Yeah, three and a half, exactly. Easier to figure in your calculator there, isn't it? Uh, So, so, isn't the Bible so accurate? Things are just developing today in a way that's so clear, it's so beautiful, it's exciting as a Christian, and we can rejoice. Even though these, some things are coming, there'll be terrible things coming. Awful, yeah. All right, now that's maybe enough in that chapter. We could go on and on in that chapter, but turn over to chapter 9. And Brother Paul read about, taught a message on this. That's so much. I could have shouted for, you know, how, I think I did even. I, I didn't really shout, but I just said hallelujah. Uh, here in chapter 9, in verse 25. We find right there in the middle of the verse another picture of this panorama, this wax museum. Here he is. The prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous time. That's speaking about Jesus Christ. And Jewish people, when they study this, they see that these figures are so, these Jewish people that they sit down and they think these things through and they talk to each other. I've seen them do it already. And this is so accurate, it comes right up to the very week of the Passover when Jesus entered into Jerusalem. This uh, 69 weeks of years. It's 483 years comes right up to that time from Ezra, Ezra chapter 7, when Ezra was given the promise of uh, this rebuilding of Jerusalem and so forth. Now there's one week, you see, or one week of seven years, that's what it means here, that hasn't happened yet. 
And that's where we get, now that's where we, the Bible scholars get and have agreed for years at this extra week that has not taken place or seven years is a seven year tribulation which the book of Revelation is a bulk part of Revelation chapter four to Revelation 19 or so. Uh, yeah, it's in that bulk period, seven years. So that's very exciting. And uh, now why don't you notice something? Where will this, this prince come from, you think? I, it seems to me it's clear. I, and after three score and two weeks, verse 26, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Isaiah 53, he, didn't, he, he, was, he died on the cross, but not for himself. He didn't need to be dying for himself. He was perfect, sinless. He died for you. He died for me. He died for the world. And we should shout out to the world that this is so true, to witness to them. I've made it a little deal here with myself and the Lord. Lord, I, I, Isaac Creer brings those little testaments here. Somebody does, I think it's Isaac, and lays them out here, and it's okay with him. If, if I pick a few up, I'd like to just make it appeal at least once a day in my place of work to hand out a New Testament or some Christian literature and be a witness at least to one person or so every day. So we should tell the world and warn the world about a tribulation that's coming, which is an awful time. All right? Where's this fellow coming from? And after three weeks and two, after three score, a 60, and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city. Well, who destroyed the city of Jerusalem? He's speaking about Jerusalem here. Who destroyed it? Well, the Romans did. We know that. They entered into that city and they prayed to their gods from Rome before they left. And God's name was put down, you might say. Well, God is raising up his name again. And he will show himself strong through his name. Amen. And uh, this, it seems to me that this prince, small letter P, prince, antichrist, will appear out of the Roman Empire, possibly, the EU. Is he going to be a Jew or not? I don't know. I don't know. His name isn't mentioned. I don't know if he's born now or that. Nobody knows. But someday. And he shall confirm the covenant with, he wants to make a covenant too. He's going to be working just as close with the devil as he can, just like Jesus worked with God. The devil wants to duplicate everything that God did for himself to build up his name. And uh, she'll confirm the covenant, many for one week, in the midst of the week, midst of the week, midst of seven years. Jesus talked about this in Roman, uh, Matthew chapter 24, about this very thing and shall cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, you shall make it desolate, even until the consummation and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Well, let that scene. Now we have a little slip in here. This isn't really a scene, but in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel is so low. He's sleeping, and the angel comes and touches him. And I need the touch of God. Daniel needed that touch to understand. I need that touch and you need that touch. We need to be touched by God himself, by the Spirit. In Daniel chapter 10, the word understanding, I didn't count them, but it appears twice in verse 1. 
the angel Gabriel here came. He was the inform he's the informing angel. He came to Daniel, wanted him to understand these words. And I think today we should study the word. And we should understand what God has to say. The Bible really isn't all that hard to understand. We can understand that we're sinners. We can understand salvation. We can understand a lot of things. Some things maybe we don't understand and haven't came about yet, especially in the book of Revelation. But we can at least believe it. The world, it's, you know, it's, it's this way. They say, first of all, I want to understand, and then I'll believe. Is that, is that good philosophy or good uh, teaching? Or is that, is that the way a Christian ought to think? No. We should believe, even though we don't understand. As we believe and don't understand everything, understanding will come after we believe. That's the Bible way. That's the, I could show you many verses that talk about that type of system of thought. I believe the scriptures, and therefore God can give me understanding as he will. Not I have to understand everything first. See, that, that makes me in control. When I believe and let the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, through his word teach me and through the teaching of the word in Sunday school, in reading, at home, in devotions, here at church in the preaching, God can enlighten and enlarge our understanding. Here, a number of times in chapter 10, as he was, uh, first of all, laying flat out, he was sleeping. An angel touched him and he got up on his palms and his hands and his knees. And then the next he stood up and he was from this prostration and he, bowed, uh, he just bowed before God. He was so, it seemed like it, it shook him, all this teaching. And uh, verse 11, again, a man greatly beloved. That, that word greatly beloved appears twice here in this chapter. Daniel was a man greatly beloved. Oh, that's a beautiful uh, picture of a man walking with God. Three times a day praying to, as we found earlier in chapter 6. And then we find the word understand again, verse 14. And we find it... A, Excuse me, verse 17, for how can the servants of my Lord talk with this, my Lord? For as from me, straightway there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Seemed like it, and then the angel appeared and touched him again. We need the touch of God. You need it. We all need it together. Now, we go to chapter 11, and here we get to have another scene. Now, this is a large passage of scripture. And I just want to go through this uh, as good as I can in this passage of scripture to help you understand some things. It won't take too often much time because the New Testament has so much to say about this character that's coming on the scene. But remember every time, somewhere in the context, when these scenes come on, the Lord is there. The Lord is in the backdrop. The Lord is, appears. The Lord can under, give us a much joy as we walk with him. Now we go over to verse 35 to begin with. And some of them of understanding shall fall to try them and to purge and to make them white even to the time of the end because it is yet for a time to come. And the king, here he appears to be a king. And the king shall do according to his own will. And he shall exalt himself. First of all, he's going to do according to his own will. He needs no parliament. This will be dictatorship at the, at the, 
at the rarest view of dictatorship that we've ever seen. He doesn't need a Congress, men to counsel him. And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the God of gods and shall prosper till the indignation be accomplished. For that is determined shall be done. There's a sixth one here. I had five so far descriptions, five so far descriptions about this person. Six, neither shall he regard the God of his fathers. Might this person know something about the Bible? May he have been in Sunday school or church sometime? I don't know. At least it seems like the, the word God here is capitalized. Is he a Jew? It's kind of, it might be indicative here that he is. I'm not sure. I don't know. And nor the desire women. Perhaps he wants to be like Jesus. He doesn't want to be married. I, I, it seemed, I don't know. And nor regard any God. For he shall magnify, magnify himself above all. In fact, he's going to magnify himself above God himself. And then and there's another one here in his estate. First of all, it's going to affect the um, religious field. That's what we've just been talking about here. And the next is the economic field. That begins here in verse 38. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces and a God of his fathers knew not nor, uh, nor shall honor with gold and silver and precious stones and pleasant things. Thus shall he do in the midst in the most strongholds with a strange God whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory, and he shall cause them to rule over many, and shall divide the land for gain. The economic field is going to get control of it. And verse 40, And at the time of the end shall the king of the south push at him. And the king of the, that be the African block probably. And the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind, possibly Russia. What all happens here, Jesus talked about Revelation in Matthew 24, wars and rumors of wars like we've probably never seen till this time. Because Jesus talked about this time as a time that uh, has never been like it, nor ever shall be. Actually, over turning over your page, over here to Daniel 12, it's this time, at that time shall Michael the prince stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of the, thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book of life. Ike, is your name in the book of life this morning? I think this is especially Daniel's talking to his own Jewish people. God will deliver them. But it's going to be a time like the world has never seen. The book of Joel speaks about this. In Jeremiah chapter 30, we read it's a time of Jacob's trouble, such a time as never was before. And Jesus picked up these thoughts back in Matthew 24 in the midst. In the midst, and it seemed like this is kind of right in the middle of the seven-year tribulation when he's really speaking about. Well, he's going to gain control over the economic field. It seems like he's going to put his seat right there in Jerusalem. It speaks about that here, right here in, um, in this passage. And it seems like these countries from the north are going to kind of trouble him. And uh, it was kind of interesting here when I read over this. In verse 41, if you notice that, 
He shall enter also into the glorious land. There it is. That's no, nothing else but Jerusalem itself. In 2 Thessalonians, we read about that. He shall enter into the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom and Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. They're going to escape. I, I, I don't know how this all works. It just says so. Did you know that the last year, since President Trump was in there, you know, several years ago, why uh, he did what he did with Israel and gave them some blessings and put the capital or the, uh, uh, the uh, embassy in Jerusalem itself instead of out there at Tel Aviv or wherever it was. I think it was there near there. And uh, changed that. And also it seemed like then it, when he blessed the children of Israel, the Israelites, the Jews, have a high name for him. Why other countries to the east, at least four other countries today from the east of Israel are also blessing him, uh, Israel as well. And uh, I'm not sure what this verse is all talking about. I don't, I'll just let it come about as it will. And if the Lord wants to give us understanding of it, it's kind of exciting. In verse 42, he shall stretch forth his hand upon the countries in this land. The land of Egypt shall not escape, but he shall have power over the treasures of gold, of silver. Here it is again, the economic and the political over the precious things of Egypt and the Libyans and the Ethiopians shall be at his steps. But tidings out of the east and out of the north shall trouble him. Therefore, he shall go forth with great fury to destroy and to utterly to make a, a, uh, a way many. And he shall plant the tabernacles of his palace, of his palace, possibly the temple itself that the Jewish people want to build, and we read about that in Second Thessalonians, in the seas, in the glorious holy mountain. That's nothing else but Jerusalem itself. Yet he shall come to his end, and none shall help him. He's going to be a devastated foe that's going to be brought down by Jesus Christ himself. And we read about that more in Revelation 12 here of the victory. Now we have to go over to the New Testament, over to 2 Thessalonians for this next panorama scene, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we read so clearly here by the Apostle Paul that uh, this man of sin, perdition, is going to appear in the scenes, and we don't need to be troubled because it seems as though he's telling us that this will appear uh, after the rapture, after the Holy Spirit and his restraining power, according to one of the verses here, is taken away. And that's in verse in chapter 2 of Second Thessalonians, verse 7. Uh, don't be troubled, he's saying earlier. Don't be alarmed as though that day of the Lord is at hand. And he talked about, apparently Paul talked about this day of the Lord. To them, this young church, at a young age church, here in 2 Thessalonians 2. And this man of sin, verse 4, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, or that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, yet with you I told you these things? And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. 
For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth or restraineth will restrain until he be taken out of the way. I don't understand uh, everything here either. I say it seems as though the restraining power of the church of Jesus Christ from the earth is going to be sudden. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, millions of people from the earth are going to suddenly be lifted and taken home. And we don't need an astronaut suit. We will have the suit of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of Christ over our lives. And living in victory, we can be brought overcomers. We'll go meet him. Can you imagine what this might do to this earth? It's going to be a release of, uh, of uh, judgment, of power, of sin, of wickedness, lawlessness, like we've never seen. Jesus talked about that. That's what's going to happen. When millions, even maybe from millions, even from the United States, possibly there's millions here in the Christians. I would believe so. And throughout the world, and uh, the economic shift that, that that could make, and the uproar, I'm just kind of trying to read between the lines, and we don't have to know everything. But it's going to be quite a time. I want to be ready now. For then, I don't know who will be able to be saved, except the Jewish people. There'll be 12,000 out of every tribe, 144,000. I believe there'll be witnesses, and I believe they'll be talking to people and broadcasting the news of Jesus Christ over the earth. How can they keep still? God's going to protect them. He's going to protect the Jewish people that believe. There's probably going to at least be, according to the book of Zechariah, two-thirds that will be killed during that time of Jewish people. And uh, many, many people in the world, in fact, Revelation 6, a fourth of the population is killed. And Revelation, I think it's Revelation 9, again, another third on top of that, you know. And then many otherwise, you know. So more than half of the population of the world will be gone by those two figures, plus many, many more as well. Well, and, uh, but I believe it will be a time, according to the Bible, of great revival among many people that maybe have never heard the gospel will be able to be saved then. We read about that in Revelation 7. I just take it as it says. It's you might as well, because I think that's the way Jesus meant it. He meant it to be very clear. It says, uh, John is wondering, gets this scene, you know, this panoramic scene. He gets and he, who, who is this? Where did these come from? These saints are certainly in, suddenly in heaven. Probably they'll be killed during that time. We can understand that type of thing today, can't we? People will have to die for their faith if they don't obey the government of the Antichrist and his system. Anyway, uh, who, who, who are these? Where did they come from? And the angels, don't, don't you know? Well, John didn't know. He said, these are they which came out of great tribulation. And they have washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Blood washed. And so I would think the Holy Spirit is at least here to the extent drawing people to himself. Drawing people to God so people can repent. People could repent before the flood, right? Sure. And they could be saved. People could be, repent during the time of the law. And right now as well. But in that time, they're not dead yet. See, they, I mean, they're not in hell. They're not in heaven. They're here. And they are alive. So as long as there's life, there's hope. And that doesn't give anybody excuse that I can wait till Jesus, till the rapture. Oh, no. 
I don't know if there'll be, because there'll be time, that'll be a time of great delusion. Well, this person here, he appears here as a son of perdition. He will oppose and exalt himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped. He shall sit in the temple of God himself and showing himself that he is God. Now, interestingly, the temple is not even built there in Jerusalem yet. When will it be built? I don't know. Another thing that hasn't happened is Ezekiel 38, the coming of the great um, army from the north. And they're talking about it. They're discussing it, especially Turkey and, and Russia itself and Syria, you know, and what's happening there. That hasn't happened yet. Some Bible prophet, I heard him speak over a CD some years ago, and he was asked the question, well, when shall the battle of um, the north, uh, Gog and Magog, Ezekiel 38, when will that appear? Well, he said, either before the rapture or after the rapture. So we don't know. <laughs> Might as well not uh, try to guess. I'm not sure. But that wicked shall be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, with the brightness and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. He will deceive with signs and lying wonders. Signs and lying wonders. And now in the backdrop of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, interestingly, uh, this is what it appears here. We, as a Christian, can have encouragement this morning. You can be encouraged in verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. Beloved of the Lord, oh, what beautiful, endearing words are found in the Bible. And I'll just give this out. I really think, as dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, uh, you know, if you look up the word guys, G-U-Y-S, in my generation growing up, I, I just kind of detest that, calling each other guys. <laughs> and uh, I know I'm old-fashioned, but look it up in the dictionary. Uh, in some dictionaries, it talk, it's, it's, it's a slang word, actually. It's, it's kind of low. You know, the Bible speaks about brothers and sisters in the Lord. And dear, endearing words to uh, us as believers, blood washed in the Lord. If you say that, I don't have anything against you. It's just that, uh, maybe just an input here. That's a, maybe that should be a part of the panorama show here as we uh, look at this. And anyway, you're he chose us. He are chosen to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and the belief of the truth. Where, you know, this truth, belief of the truth. Earlier, it talks about this man as a, a lie. That word a in the Greek is the, the lie. He's going to be the liar. The liar, that's what he is already. Whereunto he called you by us, the, the devil himself, of course. He chose us. He called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now we go over to 1 John, and he's there called the Antichrist. He said there's many Antichrists have risen already. Many people who are against Jesus Christ. Many Antichrists. That... Uh, that could be thought of as disbelieving what God has given us through his holy word. A, um, a clearer understanding might be this way. And that would be to, to disbelieve what the Bible is saying and teaching. 
And uh, somewhere here in my notes, I have a list of, the, of this, of the Antichrist, a light-hearted approach to Christianity, and a disobedience to the plain teachings of the Holy Word, a disrespect for things that are sacred today, and talking about it in that way. We need faithfulness and loyalty to the church. Human reasoning is taking the place of simple Bible-believing faith in the Bible. You know, truth can be always can be trusted. And that is what we need to grow in, in the Lord. This type in 1 John is the Antichrist, denies that Jesus is the Christ. Not open to brotherhood counsel. Oh, I have not sinned. Neither is there any sin in me. Not, no sin, not sinned. Uh, 1 John 1 talks about that. Resisting authority, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Making a mockery of teachings that are sacred. Laughing and joking of sacred matters. A low view of scriptural doctrines are so clear and plain in the scriptures. And even a low view of the church and the church standards. This past week, I was so blessed at our uh, regional ministers meeting in this area, which we held together and people were there from, men were there from uh, like uh, Buffalo Valley and uh, Belleville and uh, so on. There was 30 of us there together. One of the brothers that spoke there uh, had a short, short little message was Kinley Coulter. He comes from the Baptist and he's a minister there at Shade Mountain. And uh, Ben had asked him to speak and give some uh, teaching as he was there. It was very interesting. He talked about the joy of being a part of a brotherhood, some core values that he understands as core. A core in the apple is, can't be seen, and it's that which is inside which is hidden. And so he said that Christ is the indisputable Lord of the church, and I place a high value of the church and love for the brotherhood. It was Conrad Grebel and George Blarock and Felix Mons, those three names often go together, uh, early leaders of our Anabaptist faith. There was one brother among these also, who one day when they had a council there in the early times of our development of the Swiss brothers, they had a council in Zurich, Switzerland, and Ulrich Zwingli was the then uh, uh, reformer of Switzerland, like Martin Luther was of Germany. Ulrich Zwingli had students, and these were his students, and they studied the word together. And the question came up again about this matter of baptism. How shall we decide of who's to be baptized? And uh, Ulrich Zwingli said, the state council must decide this. And some of these brothers did not agree, his students. He said that the Holy Spirit has already decided. Why should we sit here and try to decide it? It's non-negotiable. And that's what the Bible is about, non-negotiable. It's something we rest on and rest our weight there. And that was actually the beginnings of the Anabaptist movement, the Swiss brethren, who later then became be called Mennonites. And thank God for such a rich heritage that we have of people who stood for faith, the two-kingdom idea. The Bible is not a flat, just a flat book Old Testament, you know, 
and New Testament. We believe that in New Testament teachings are, we believe in one Bible. We believe in, in the Old and New Testament as the, uh, the Old Testament to the New, you know, the Old Testament in, the New Testament is in the Old Concealed and the Old Testament is in the New Revealed. It's a bridge, really. But we don't believe in this thing that once, you know, these Old Testament saints, they, God taught them to, told them to go to war. Uh, certainly now we need to somehow level off with people who are against uh, our constitution and so forth like the just war system. Well, much be said about that. Avoiding deception is so important. I think that's what First John talked about. Now, finally, getting to this last scene here, I'll skip over to Revelation chapter six. The uh, Antichrist there, or the uh, white horse, seems to be called, he seems to be the Antichrist. Don't mix him up with the white horse from Revelation 19. He's going out conquering and to conquer. Then Revelation 13 that we read about here earlier, above Brother Paul read, uh, clearly states something in the latter part of the chapter that no man is able to buy or sell except they have a mark on their forehead or in the palm of their or somewhere here. Now, interestingly, over in Sweden, understand already they're practicing this, not by compulsion, it's voluntary, it's open to some companies, they, they, they have this going already that they implant like a type of a seed uh, about the size of a grain of rice, either here or, or there, and uh, they can do business with this in Sweden. And there's other places too, not compulsory. And just this past week I read something strange, well, not really strange, that in France and in Great Britain, they're really considering the, the force using the vaccine as a, uh, a compulsory thing that, that maybe in the future, they're just saying this now, this not, it's not law, it's not yet, and I don't know if it will be, uh, that unless you have the vaccine, you can't buy or sell. Now, uh, if any of you have the vaccine, that doesn't, in my mind, that does not mean that's the mark of the beast. I don't put the two together. Because if Jesus, is, if the Bible's clear, if it would be, I think Jesus would have said something about that, clearly. Just says it is, I think that system will be in the tribulation period, it won't be now, and I don't have anything against anybody to get vaccined, and I might even get myself sometime, I don't know. So that's what I believe about it. Now if you believe otherwise, that's okay, that's all right. And there are some really some implications here that kind of, you kind of wonder about. But when a statement comes up, like this from government, that uh, maybe they can make it that they, they can neither buy nor sell. That we've heard about and read about that for a long time already, haven't we? In the book of Revelation. That means the mark of the beast. I believe that thing is a, I, we will never want to put anything in our forehead or here as an implant to get into banks and do our banking system or anything. We, don't, we, we wouldn't go that far, I don't think, because it's getting too close. And that thing will be, in Revelation 13, will be a worship of the beast, of the, of the false prophet, who is a type of the Holy Spirit and of the devil himself. And Revelation chapter, the last scene there is Revelation 19, where the Lord himself is going to appear from heaven on a white horse and have war here, the war of our battle of Armageddon, and he's going to cast out that uh, beast and the false prophet alive into the lake of fire.
well, they'll be forever. Oh, hallelujah. We don't need to fear. I do believe that uh, the rapture will take place to take us away from a lot of these end time events that will yet come about. In the meantime, we can rejoice. We can be thankful. We can be together as a body. We don't need to be afraid. And if the time would come that we would have to go to prison for something, I think God will give us grace for that like he does for many other Christians throughout the world today. Men who are suffering and dying now for their faith. Churches are being burned. We don't read much about it. The media discloses that. I mean, it doesn't disclose it. Shut, keeps it shut down. But we can read books and uh, lots of other good things. Let's pray together by kneeling and worshiping Jesus Christ.